This morning's scripture reading comes from Second John, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The elder, to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And, I now, and now I plead with you, Lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Then often said as we live our lives from day to day, I'm trying to decide which microphone he's going to be using back there. That as we live our lives from day to day, we find ourselves changing without realizing that we've changed. We grow physically, we grow spiritually. And in both cases, we oftentimes do not realize that we've done both. Wherever we are in our lives physically, wherever we are in our lives spiritually, sometimes we have that tendency of believing that's where we have always been. And we forget we've grown. And we forget that we will continue to grow and that we'll see things in a different light than when we were younger. And oftentimes we get to work with the concept of being a fellow worker with God. And I do not know how you picture that or comprehend that of you as an individual, you as a beginning of days and an end of days and a brevity of life that's like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away, that you are a fellow worker with God Almighty. Remember times when our children were small and we lived in a place where they had a lot of trees, which are beautiful in the springtime, not so much in the fall when they shed their leaves. And they would go out and help Dad rake the leaves up. 
their terminology at times. <clears throat> they spent more time breaking piles of leaves where they could go and do what? Jump in them. And then when they finished jumping in them, they were done raking leaves. And then the job had to be finished. I'm not saying this exact parallel, but I, said, I see some similarities at times between us and being fellow workers with God, thinking we have an understanding of what it is that he's asking of us and forget who he is and what he has done and why he has done what he has done and why he will do what he will do throughout this life and into eternity as well. We're reminded by various scriptures of some things that sometimes we remember than other times we tend to forget. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7. We're reminded that we brought nothing into this world and we're taking nothing out of this world. Sometimes that's hard for us to remember. Because it's telling us, see, you're not alone. You're not an individual, if you will. You're not free to do what you wish to do in a way that you wish to do it in. You're dependent upon others to even come into this world. And you are dependent upon others even when you leave this world. The second function of this building. <laughs> We're not on our own. We brought nothing in. We take nothing out. How many of you can remember your great-great-grandfather? The younger generation sometimes are being fortunate to be able to do that. I don't remember mine. I've simply said, if I remember my great-great-grandfather, all I know is that he served in the Civil War. That's all I know about him. What his life was, what he did, I do not know. Outside the fact that he had children, who had children, who had children, and I'm down that line a little bit. What we do, I'm just simply trying to help us to try to grasp we're here a short period of time. We serve God. We're fellow workers with Him. And what we do and what we believe that we're going to do, we want to, as we live our lives, we want to leave oftentimes a legis uh, legacy. Oh, I remember my grandfather, and I remember that he did this, and he was that kind of man, and, and an individual along that line, and so forth. Uh, but in the overall scheme is what has been done for God with God depending on God to help us what we do that legacy will be years down the road souls that have been reached souls that have been encouraged and souls that have been snatched out of that fiery furnace at times We don't live to ourselves and we don't die to ourselves, Paul reminds us in Romans 14 and verse 7. 
We're the gods. We belong to him. And how he desires to use us is interesting. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 that we're that to, to stand. Stand in the faith. And if you are standing, of which I'm the only one doing that <laughs> currently, if you are standing, you have two choices. Either you walk, and if I go too far, you fall. <laughs> you're going to do one or the other. You're to stand for God. Now, either you're going to walk with God, or you're going to fall. The scriptures remind us that. How long did it take man to fall? Mankind. Didn't take long, did it? Adam and Eve came, and on down the line you could go. Either you stand for God and walk with him, or you fall. And the reminder is for us to walk with God. And it's not how we perceive the life we lived, and that's what we get to work with sometimes. Because we're reminded in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, that there's going to come a dime at the judgment, that many will come to the Lord saying, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these marvelous deeds in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. There's a contrast, is there not? There's a contrast in how I perceive what I'm doing. But does that line up with what the Word of God teaches that I need to be doing? As you read that text again, read what they said. We've done all these marvelous works in your name. We've done miracles. He said, I do not know you. But to the others, the faithful, he said, enter into the joy of your master. And so it's looking at what's there, doing the will of the Father, understanding again, we have the human illustration we get to, to draw from, and it's working with that spiritual illustration or that application that we need to see. The Father has a plan for us. And as children, we do not always see that plan or understand it, why they're asking us to do certain things that they do as parents. Trying to teach them responsibility, obligations, whatever else it is that we're working with at that particular time, not so much for that time frame. It's there, but it's also for what will come down the road. You teach them good work ethics. Not, as a, not simply for them to do the household chores, but for them to be able to, to function in society and be the people they ought to be. And it's hard for us because we're human. We have God's word to help us along the way to catch the overall purpose of what God is planning for us. How do you perceive heaven? Can you even picture it? How can you picture it? We have nothing really to compare with it. A kingdom, a, a house, a mansion. 
We use, again, we've used things that we can identify with, trying to explain something that we have no concept of. We're not going to have a physical body. It's going to be a spiritual body. And it's hard for us to perceive of that because we've got limitations of what we can see and understand of a spiritual body and a heavenly place where the throne of God is. Again, another term that we use to try to describe where God is elevated, if you will, and that it's his place. And we've been asked to dwell there eternally. The challenge is always there. Paul, or John, as he's writing to the, the beloved lady there, he's delighted to know where she's at and what she's doing. But notice again, particularly in verses 4 through 6, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in him. I rejoice that your children, or some of your children, are walking in truth. You catch that? Which means what? Some of the children were not walking in the truth any longer. And it's hard. We we raise children to love and to serve God. And they make decisions. Sometimes they're not the same as the parents would want them to make. And if you want to take it back, take it back to the Father in heaven. God created us in his own image. After his own likeness, he's created the male and female, created he them. Adam and Eve, God is the Father. How faithful were they to the Father? So it's God's fault. No. He gave us free moral will, free to choose. It didn't take long as you look down through there. There are those who we know from our lives, we know it from the lives of others around us. There are children growing up in the same household and the same rules with the same parents, and they come out totally different. Whose fault? Parents' fault. Sometimes we use Proverbs 22, 6, bring up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. that always true? That's not always true. If it's always true, what is that teaching? Environmental predestination. If you're born into the right house, you will never fall. No. Nowhere is that ever indicated. Again, go back to creation and follow him. It's not the way. Basically, there's a good teaching in there, yes. But we're reminded in Ezekiel 18 and verse 20, the soul that sins is a soul that will die. 
the child will not bear the iniquity of the father, nor will the father, what? Bear the iniquity of the child. It's individual responsibility. And that's a hard one for us to work with. I don't know, somewhere down the line we get it figured out, so we're a little bit imperfect. Are you always consistent in everything you believe and teach? (laughs) A little bit inconsistent at times. Uh, Never on the spur of the moment. Say or do something you ought not to have said or done. Some of the children were not walking with the lady as they ought to. It's a joy when we see a one born into the family of God. It's a joy to watch him grow. And it's a joy to see him grow and then see some sadness at times when they choose to go a different way. Ours, again, is trying to remind ourselves that we we work together. We are fellow workers with God. And we encourage one another. Part of our gathering together, is it not? Do you not feel uplifted and encouraged by being in the house of God? Not just this physical building, but being in the house of God and having the fellowship with one another? How many felt kind of lonely the last nine months? <laughs> A little bit isolated. You know, uh, we, we miss one another. God made us that way. He made us to have fellowship with one another. That's the way life is. And to, to, to joy be of joy with one another. And we set examples by the life that we live. And others are watching whether we see that or not. Others watch the life that we live. How do you respond? When you lose a loved one. How do we react to what's going on? My oldest sister right now is on her deathbed. Not given very long to live. We all go through that, do we not? Losing family. Losing parents. Losing children. Losing brothers or sisters in Christ. All the way up and down the line. How do you respond to what takes place? How do you respond to the life that you live? When I was teaching at Magnolia, one day uh, a student came into class. And I heard him talking to some other students and got in the conversation. He worked in a company and it was his job to close up at night, and he had closed up that night. And before he got out of the building, he was being robbed. Which is bad enough. The guy held him at gunpoint, told him to get on his knees, put his hands behind his head, held the gun to the back of his head, and pulled the hammer back. The student felt, this is it. I'm done. He said, well, if this is going to be it, what am I going to do? So he said, have you ever thought about Jesus? 
And the robber said, you think he can save you? And the student said, no, but he can save you. He said, it got quiet for a while. And when he looked around, the guy was gone. He had put the gun to his head, pulled the hammer back, and was going to kill him because he had just robbed him. What do you, how do you respond? How do you do? How, what do you do? He said, well, I'm here for a purpose. This is what I'm training myself for. Let's see what happens. They don't always turn out good. But if I lose my wife as a child of God, what? Well, you better figure it out because you are going to lose your life as a child of God. Richer than in the road you are if you're faced with a God. So whatever it happens, it doesn't matter how it happens. We have our brothers and they really do not matter. It's going to happen. Will I be faithful to God? Will I understand it's not how long I live, it's what I do as I'm living. Am I willing to keep serving God now and let God work things out? He has a will. He has a purpose. That encouraged a lot of us that day. Caused us to stop and reflect about an awesome God that we serve and how he works in lives. Nothing we could do as a, that he could do as an individual to change it. Outside put his faith and his trust in God. That's the way it is in our life, is it not? There's no way we can change what's going on. Individually. We put our faith, our trust in God. We petition him. We want his will worked out. Have we not been praying to God, petitioning him in this, during this period of time? What are we petitioning? God, we want your will to be worked out. We want you to be glorified in all that is done. Or are we working on the other end of it? Take care of me. Take care of my family. Take care of my spiritual family. Are we wanting God's will to be done? We're going to be looked at by the world. What will they see? How will they view us? And what we do and how we react. Could want to change all the circumstances, but cannot. Somewhere down the line, we figure that out. I can create opportunities, but that's because God works with me. He's the one that does the creating. I just use those opportunities as they present it. How do we serve God? Do we keep faithful to his word? Do we encourage one another? The commandment is to walk where? To walk in truth. What is truth? Remember that question asked of Jesus? What is truth? God's word is truth. We have to walk in the truth of God's word. There are going to be deceivers. John talked about that. There's going to be deceivers that go out there. They're going to take God's word and they're going to twist it. They've always done that. They listen to that wrong voice of Satan, back to the Garden of Eden. Has God not said? Well, read all what God did say. 
and work with it. God is working with us. Don't know about you, but I am eternally grateful that that's what he does. He works with us. He's a co-worker. We like to think, well, as a co-worker, <laughs> I have just as much right to say as he has to say. No, no. <laughs> he's still the Lord. He's still the God. He's creator. He's the master. I'm the servant, been redeemed by the blood of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But I am to walk in truth as he is in truth. Whoa, well, that's a good one, isn't it? Walk as Jesus walked. Do I trust God exclusively? Remember the Lord's Supper? How did it go to the Lord's Supper? How do we get to the Lord's Supper? That sacrifice. That statement that he made as he was being arrested. Don't you know I can call 12 legions of angels? And I, I've mentioned it at times, I mean, that's 72,000 angels. I read what one angel can do in killing a uh, Syrian army of 185,000 men in one night. One angel. What did 72,000 angels do? And I'm also reminded, did he need 12 legions of angels? No. He is God. He could have come down off that cross. Except for one reason. No salvation outside of his blood being shed for the remission of our sins. Goes back to Ephesians 1.4. Before the world created, God planned man's redemption through the blood of Christ. He served his Father. And that's what's asked of us. Are we walking according to the truth? Do we see each other as walking according to the truth and encouraging one another? Be the servant of God. Be the one whom God would want you to be. Strive to be found pleasing in his sight. So that regardless of when, or wherever that is, or whenever that is, that at that last day, we indeed will be taken home eternally with the Father. Jesus is a loving shepherd. And we need to see him exactly that way. But he is a shepherd. And we are to be sheep who do follow the shepherd. Listen to his voice. Trust his voice. Go back and rethink of Psalm 23 and look through it again. Trust his voice. Though he lead me through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me. You're my rod and my staff, and you comfort me. And I'm looking for the end. Surely one day I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's your goal, that's your desire. If it is, do not let anything in this world come in between that. Whatever it is, 
regardless of how good it may appear, regardless of how bad it may appear, do not let anything of this world take your eyes off of Jesus. If you need to make a commitment to him, renew that life in him, if we could help you or assist you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.